everyone, and welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is your host, Scott Cantrell, joined by Ashley Berghoff. Uh, so glad that she was able to join us again. And Ashley, for those of you who don't know, is the founder of A Squared Online. She and her team buy back time for busy entrepreneurs through process improvement, as well as finding, training, and systematizing world-class virtual assistants. She is also the author of a fantastic book that I've uh, dived into called Eureka Results, How Entrepreneurs Can Turn Their Ideas Into Reality. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Really glad to have this conversation today. It's really fun to be back, Scott. I really appreciate the invitation. Yeah, good, good, good. So you and I have kind of stayed in touch and mm-hmm. um, I know uh, I've learned a lot just from our casual conversations and we're talking about potentially doing some work together on both fronts. Uh, yeah. And I've got some some clients and uh, clients on my queue to make some introductions to and so forth. And so I thought, you know what, we need to have, we need to carry out this conversation more on, on the podcast because this is such a, a rich vein of opportunity, but it's also an area mm-hmm. of confusion and uncertainty and maybe even trepidation and maybe even a little bit of fear on the side of consultants and advisors, the same type of consultants advisors I work with, which they may be, um, you know, they may be solopreneurs or they may be well into, you know, they may be running a multi-million dollar firm um, with a larger team, but it's so mm-hmm. easy to get caught up in this idea of maximizing productivity, process improvement. And it becomes, for me, I can speak for myself, and I think I represent uh, a large number of other peers. For me, it's one of those things where I know I need to do it. Mm -hmm. I know how important it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've linked my, um, I don't know that I've linked the results that I really want to achieve to it enough so Mm -hmm. that I'm actually changing my behavior. But it's one of those (laughs) things where I get so energized about what I'm doing and meeting with my clients and doing everything else. Mm -hmm. I just consistently push it off and put it on the back burner and say, I'll get to that later. When I get Mm -hmm. a little bit bigger, then I'll deal with the process and productivity stuff. So Mm -hmm. I suspect you're nodding. I suspect that these are things that you hear and see all the time. time. Um, Yeah. Tell me, you know, let's let's start there. I want I want you to fill in a little bit for those of you may for those who may not know who you are. I want you to talk a little about your background, but let's start there. Let's talk about kind of the premise of the work that you do first. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a bit of a weird entrepreneur in that I tend to have strengths in the areas that most entrepreneurs don't love and weaknesses in the areas where entrepreneurs really thrive in general, right? Many entrepreneurs are visionaries, big idea people, really excited about their ideas have a lot of ideas. I'm very much, um, you know, I'm like earth to the fire of the traditional <laughs> entrepreneur, right? I'm very process oriented. I love checklists. I love organizing things like organizing my Google drive is how I unwind after a busy day, right? That is what I love and what comes easily to me. Yeah. Um, and so what I've discovered in, you know, starting my own business and working with entrepreneurs is that we need each other, right? And sure. so the work that I do is really focusing on doubling down on my own brand of nerdiness in a way that can benefit (laughs) the people that I'm around um, and help them use the systems that I really believe in and see the power of to make their own ideas happen, get things off the back burner, actually see those big ideas that they have turn into real life. So that's kind of the big vision behind what we do. And then it turns into practically, you know, systems work, process improvement work, um, and also helping them start working with someone on the operations side, a virtual assistant to take a lot of that off of their plates. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And it's such a bottleneck for so many firms. I remember, and, and I'm still suffering from it now. I mean, I, I by no means uh, did I get your gene, Ashley, of, of being <laughs> so specific in terms of process and productivity, which is why it's mm-hmm. so valuable for me to talk with you. But in the previous company uh, that I co-founded, we, we were dealing with the bottleneck at the leadership level for mm-hmm. years and years and years before we brought on an incredibly talented, basically business manager for all practical purposes. Mm-hmm. Her title was CFO and she did that, but she did so much more. Um, mm-hmm. She was effectively our COO, our CFO and everything right. else. Um, <laughs> and and that, that was an inflection point for that business and allowed us to expand our capacity and revenue followed suit and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so hard to get out of our own way sometimes. Um, yeah. And I, I want to speak to that too, but, but for, for those, maybe take 30 seconds and, and tell everybody a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are in terms of founding uh, A Squared Online. Yeah. Yeah. So I started out um, as an English major, no idea what I wanted to do. Um, ended up kind of stumbling into an internship overseas where I did recruiting. And that's where I first discovered that I loved building processes. I left behind all these checklists and this workbook and all these things that I had created for my role. Um, and so I started focusing on that, on project management. And so um, went back to school for my MBA. And when it was time to graduate and figure out what to do next, I decided to start my own business, partially because I wanted the autonomy to build something of my own. Right. Um, and also partially because I wanted flexibility around uh, growing a family. So I have two young children now, um, and I wanted to have the ability to make decisions around exactly how that would work for our family. Because, um, you know, a lot of times women are given this binary option. Are you going to work or are you going to stay home? And that doesn't have to be it anymore. Yep. Um, and so when I started my business, I really focused in on this kind of project management process side of things because I knew that I loved that. Um, I kind of started out as a fractional business manager sort of person and then start specializing in the strategy side of helping people build their operations within their businesses. Yeah. I ended up here. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Thank you for that. And so um, to that end, I can imagine that there is not uh, that the universe for people who need your help and services is vast. Um, Just (laughs) having talked to, you know, so many people and knowing that that is often, not always, but often a shortcoming or an area where, you know, most people are honest with themselves about this, this area of their business, especially the people that I work with. Mm -hmm. And they say, listen, I know that I'm not nearly as efficient or productive or process driven Mm -hmm. as I need could, should be. I just don't have the time. I just don't have the energy. I've got to stay focused on my business. It seems to be somewhat of a catch 22 um, uh, for Mm -hmm. a lot of business owners. So Mm -hmm. what, what do you, how do you diagnose that? Or how do you not, not, not diagnose? How do you treat that? What, what is the, Mm -hmm. is there an epiphany? Your book is called Eureka results. um, And, you know, implies that there's this light bulb sometimes that has to go off, (laughs) but maybe talk a little bit about this catch 22 and how to help advisors and consultants. And I'm, you know, I'm waving my own hand here, help (laughs) us break out of this cycle of I'm so busy in the business, Mm -hmm. doing the business, trying to make money, trying to win new clients, trying to do good work for my clients. Mm-hmm. And I know the process piece is important, but I just right. haven't taken the time, not taken the time yet to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the phrases we use a lot is if you're too busy to get less busy, right? It takes time to figure these things out. So a lot of times uh, 
we talk to people about what we call the five phases of entrepreneurial freedom. Um, so when you're in phase one, you're drowning. And our goal right at the beginning is to get you to phase two where you're not drowning. And then we can start looking at, you know, the longer term infrastructure and your documentation and your SOPs and some of those mm -hmm. other things. But we have to start with you're drowning. Let's get you not drowning before we even start that. Sure. Um, so we really look at how do we get you out of the spot where you are today and get some solid ground under your feet. And we have some tools for that. Um, one of them often is just helping someone brain dump everything that they're holding in their mind that they need to do and truly and honestly prioritizing that. Because what happens for a lot of entrepreneurs is um, our brains don't prioritize well. Um, it all lands in the same bucket of this yep. needs to be done now, right? Um, and so we start there to say, you know, your brain's probably lying to you about how overwhelmed you really are. So mm. let's, let's get an honest picture in front of us. So let's dump everything. Um, and I've had conversations with people where they're like, oh, and this, ah, like, what about this? And then I have this, and then I have this, and then I have this. And once we get it all down on paper, it's pretty obvious to them why they feel stressed. And then we can go through and say, all right, what are you screwed if you don't get this done today? Yeah. Like, absolutely it's over. And it's usually only a couple of things, right? Um, but our brain puts all of those things in the same bucket yeah. and layers that overwhelm from those few things onto everything, right? So we usually start there just to say, okay, today you're going to do this. Tomorrow you're going to do this brain dump again, and you're going to do this until you feel more sane. Like that's just step one. Step two then is to start looking at, okay, do we have a lot of things that we just need to let go right now? You know, because um, a lot of times, especially for visionary entrepreneurs, you don't have checks as much on starting new projects, yeah. right? In a corporate environment, you have a great idea. You want to start something. You might have to go through a six-month approval process to even right. get the green light to start it, right? Um, when you're an entrepreneur, you can decide to start a podcast on Monday morning and have it, you know, up and running by Monday afternoon if you so decide, right? Um, but the problem with that is then you just do. Every time you have a good idea, you start it, right? Um, and so we start looking at, all right, there's some things that we need to split. So step one is brain dump. Step two is we're going to split your list. To-dos on one side, ideas on the other side. Everything that needs to wait, that's a great idea, goes on your ideas list. Until you're out of this phase, phase of overwhelm, nothing new is going on your to-do list. This is it, Right. We're putting a lock on it. <laughs> so you get to a point where you're feeling good. Any new ideas can be honored, can be written down on your ideas list, but you're not allowed to start them yet. Yeah. Um, my dad in particular, he's an entrepreneur. He has been his whole life. He talks about shiny object syndrome constantly. Mm -hmm. He hates this rule, but it has been the most helpful thing for him. Um, and then we can start working on more of a rhythm of bringing things into your to-do list, leaving things on your ideas list. How do you do that over time? And we can start building some habits that work for that person. But these are the first two things we do just to get them to a point of where they can breathe. Okay. I'm not drowning. Yeah. Okay. I can do this. I can now have enough brain space to even think about where to go from here. Yeah. Right? So that's where we start. Yeah. Cause it's, it's real. It's very common. It's yes, it is very real. Um, mm -hmm. I've been there many times in different, you know, even within, within a specific project, certainly mm -hmm. within, within a business. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of these five phases, drowning, not drowning, I would assume too, mm -hmm. that 
obviously there are different levels of maturity, operational maturity and sophistication where you will mm-hmm. engage with businesses and certain ones may be at, at one end of the spectrum and they do need your help to pull them out of the water uh, yeah. and get them on the dock and just breathing a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but mm-hmm. others may be, you know, on the dock, they're, they're filling out their sales to go on the next, the next <laughs> trip, uh, so right. to speak. And so I assume that the nature of what you do, you meet, you kind of assess where they are meet them mm-hmm. where they are. And then it's just about leveling up from wherever they yeah. are. If, if you need to pull them out of the water, great. If it's about mm-hmm. efficiency and if maximization and true optimization of a process, that's great too. Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, we see it as phase two is, you know, you're just starting to kind of build some structure and phase three is where you might start bringing in some extra help, mm-hmm. um, whether it be a VA or another kind of hire. Phase four is where you start really kind of putting the nails in the infrastructure of, this is our marketing process. This is our operational customer experience. This is how we do finance, right? Um, and then phase five is true entrepreneurial freedom, the ability to walk away from your business for an entire month while everything runs, right? Gotcha. That's kind of where we want everyone to end up. Um, so yeah, we have people who come in, they're ready to hire and we, we start there. Other people come in and what they really need is building efficiency around one of their core processes and we focus on that. Um, yeah. But we don't want to start there if they're not ready for that yet, right? Because then they're just like, I, I need to survive though. <laughs> like, let's yep. not worry about that. So yeah, that's how we approach it. And I can, I, I will assume this may or may not be true and you can correct me otherwise, but I would assume that one of the common questions or um, hesitations around an advisor consultant or professional service firm, I, I keep using mm-hmm. those terms because that's who I work with and that's who mm-hmm. is watching and listening here, but it really can mm-hmm. be any kind of entrepreneurial business, right? That you work with. There's mm-hmm. not really a, 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 a difference between one to another. The processes are different, but the principles and strategies that you're teaching and helping them with are the same. But right. I, the question I, I can imagine that you get is how long is all this going to take? Um, and and I, I know the answer, I think. And the answer <laughs> is it depends on the person. Um, but, but realistically or not realistically, um, from an estimation or projection standpoint, mm-hmm. let's assume you've got someone who's engaged in your process and they're doing mm-hmm. what they need to do um, and they're they're following what you're teaching. What should someone expect? Is someone is someone in in step one not going to be able to achieve step five for what is reasonable? You know, three years, five years, seven years, or is it reasonable if they do what they need to do that they could get there, assuming there's a demand for their service and all of that, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're assuming there's business for them to do. Right. Um, but what, what's your perspective on timeline? Or is it, or is it not the right mm-hmm. question to ask? I mean, that's, that's a fair answer too. No, I think it's a, it's a great question and a fair question. You know, all of us want to know, <laughs> you know, this is, I started, you know, most of my clients started their business for freedom. So the big question right. is, when do I actually get the thing I started my business for? Because I'm less free than I was as an employee and this sucks, right? Yeah. Um, and so I would say if um, someone is in phase one and their business is, you know, like you said, an advisory business, maybe a small team, service-based. You don't have big supply chain issues to mm-hmm. worry about those sorts of things because those obviously take longer to fix. Um, honestly, we've seen people go from phase one to phase two in a month. Um, like those things can really get people moving quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can hire someone and get them onboarded in a couple of months, right? So you can move from phase two to phase three. Um, phase four, it depends on you know, what you're starting with and how in-depth you want to go. 
Um, you know, really renovating one process usually takes about three months. So if we're really looking at your customer experience or how you're doing your marketing and streamlining how that happens, I'm not the marketing expert in the terms of what to do. Um, but once they know what to do, we can figure out mm -hmm. the best way to tackle that, right? Um, like those processes tend to take a few months a piece. Yep. Um, and if we're really, really focused on, okay, let's get these processes to a place where you can cut your hours, where you can take time away, whatever that looks like, we could potentially get there in a year if we're going from phase one all the way to phase five and just yeah. really focused on it. Um, but a lot of times when someone comes to me one-on-one, -on -one, it's more, hey, our customer experience is taking too long. It's too inconsistent, yeah. whatever. Let's focus on this for three months. And that's yeah. how long we work together. And sure, sure. There's, there's an immediate, immediate specific need, mm -hmm. whether it's for themselves or for some specific aspect of what they're doing. That, mm -hmm. makes, that makes good sense. Yeah. Um, I want to turn over to the book, um, which mm -hmm. I absolutely love the title of the book, um, you. Eureka Results. Um, and the premise is to what you've talked about already, which is helping entrepreneurs turn their ideas into reality. I would assume, perhaps mm -hmm. wrongfully, and you can correct this, I've read through the book, so I kind of know the answer, um, but I would <laughs> assume a, a crux of that is, is what we've been talking about, right? Is mm -hmm. this idea of... Um, what you've said about freedom and what an entrepreneur wants to achieve with their business. And it starts out here mm -hmm. and we're trying to make it in reality. And that requires rolling up the sleeves and getting busy into implementation. What was mm -hmm. it that let's talk about kind of the book experience and, and how the book was born. Mm -hmm. What, what was your goal for the book in terms of the content of the book? Um, because it is, it is very practical. And that was one right. thing that I wanted to mention is, you know, there's so many books out there about lots of different topics and, and most of them have some kind of value that you can extract from them, but certain books are harder mm -hmm. to extract value than others. And in your book, I found myself making a note or highlighting almost every page, right? There was something to take away that was practical uh, all throughout. And I guess that speaks to your process-driven mind, uh, <laughs> making it practical. But, but right. tell us a little about how that book was born and, and kind of the nature of it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, in working with the entrepreneurs that I work with, one of the things that um, I noticed was just a very common sticking point, like we're talking about is people would have this great idea, they'd set out boldly to make it happen. And then somewhere between that moment and where they wanted to be, it flounders, right? Um, they would start off in a new direction, they would go off somewhere else, things would get thrown onto the back burner, they'd get overwhelmed, they'd get busy, and then they start losing faith in themselves, right? Um, and so each new idea they start with, there's a little less energy behind it. There's a little less faith that this is actually going to happen because they have so many other things that didn't work for them. Right. Um, and one of the things that I also found in that is that when we hear an entrepreneur tell their story, like a lot of these kind of high income, big name entrepreneurs tell their story, they tend to tell it in the way that we're used to hearing narratives told in movies, which is struggle, 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 turning point new reality. Yeah, right? And you right. just kind of straight to the new reality. So, um, you know, one example I heard, he was like 18 months, we had, you know, lawn chairs in our living room, date night was at Sonic, dollar night, and like 18 months, blah, blah, blah. And then one day in the shower, boom, like I knew exactly what we needed to do. 18 months later, million dollar business. Now we're changing the world. Yeah. Right. And that's an easy way to tell the story. It's an inspiring way to tell the story. No one wants to hear all the stuff in the middle. Yep. But then what happens is we have a great idea in the shower and we expect that kind of result, yep. right? 
Um, and then it doesn't happen. So now we think our idea is bad and we need another new idea. And so it's skipping from idea to idea to idea instead of getting to see those ideas come to life. Right. Yeah. And every once in a while, right. You have an idea where really it does, you know, the light bulb clicks on something clicks into place, things feel better, things work better, but there's still this whole marathon that we're all walking together, this messy middle of actually building a business um, that we get stuck in. And so I wanted to create something that was kind of a toolbox for people in that messy middle between yeah. the great idea that they had and feeling like, will I ever actually see this thing come to life? Yeah. Um, and I believe in the power of systems to help us get there. And as a very hyper-individualistic culture, we just don't think about systems very much. We're uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about what they are, why they matter, and how you don't have to be a nerd like me to use them. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was the goal. Yeah. Um, I love what you're saying about mess, the messy middle. I think we talked about this in the, in the last interview, but it's something that resonates very much with me. Um, and I just wrote down the magic is in the messy middle, right? So mm -hmm. the story mm -hmm. you're telling the narrative, right? It seems, it seems magical and the mm -hmm. idea, right? That, that, uh, that Eureka moment that they had in the shower mm -hmm. was truly a Eureka moment, mm -hmm. but only if they go through right. the mess for in, in most instances, right. only if they're willing to go through the messy middle and refine it and prune it mm -hmm. and figure out what works about it, what doesn't work about it and so forth. Right. And right. And so, yeah, I mean, what you're talking about, that messy middle is this five stage or this five phase approach that you just described to us earlier, mm -hmm. I think, in terms of how to move to getting to where your idea is reality and you have the freedom mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur that, that, you, that you wanted to. Um, right. right. One of the things um, that you mentioned um, or that you talk about in the book are, are, like you said, it's a toolkit, it's a toolbox. Um, mm -hmm. that people can utilize and take away. Um, one of the things is, is a very, you, you mentioned this in some of the book marketing and then obviously mm -hmm. reference it in the book itself is that one of these tools is very obvious and right in front of our faces and as plain as the nose on our face, but we, we get our own way. Can you talk a little bit about that tool or any of the other tools within the book that you think might be especially advantageous for, um, people in our world that are looking to break out of or to move through the messy middle. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially because we're visionaries as entrepreneurs, right? There's a big focus on the great idea. There's a big focus on hard work, right? Mm -hmm. um, you hear that a lot from entrepreneurs and it drives me nuts when I hear the grind, the hustle, like, yeah, you yeah. just work hard. You keep, and it's like, do you really think that all these entrepreneurs are just not working as hard as you are? Like, come on. Um, that's yeah. not what's happening here at all. Um, and so that's where I wanted to talk a lot about what systems are as a tool that every entrepreneur needs and can use um, and really broadening our understanding of what that means, right? Because um, when we think about systems, we think about process and procedure manuals, standard operating procedures, right. software tools, those sorts of things. Um, and all of those are systems, um, but so are pens. So is the plumbing in your house. So is your habit of brushing your teeth, right? We use systems constantly. We're surrounded by them constantly. They're what brings structure to our life and they're what decides what happens, right? So I really wanted people to see not only that their business is already full of them, but that they are much better at using them than mm. they think, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times we think, oh, I'm disorganized. I'm not good at whatever. Um, but it really, any system that 
gets you where you want to go is a good system. It doesn't have to look organized on the outside. It doesn't have to be beautifully formatted in an SOP document. If you are Mm -hmm. getting where you Mm want to go, Mm -hmm. your system is working, period. It's just being intentional about where you want to go and how you use systems to get you there, right? Um, So I wanted to help people understand that and usually start with, okay, cool. Then how do I use that with my time? So that was the first system I talked about in there mm-hmm. is that for everyone, no matter whether you're an entrepreneur or not, um, is deeply relevant for every human being on earth, right? How we use the time that we have. Well, and so to that end, let's, let's, if you don't mind, let's go down that path because that is mm-hmm. int- integral to everything else. Um, yeah. I wrote an article a number of years ago and, and when you used your quote, which I wrote down, cause that's fantastic, too busy to get less busy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it reminded me of the title of this article, but this is, this is directly in alignment, I think with, with, um, what you write about in the book related to time, the title of the book, uh, title of the article was give yourself the time to decide what to do with your time. And mm-hmm. of course, easier said than done, easier said right. than done period. But maybe right. tell us a little about what you share in the book or how you perceive time or how you would encourage advisors and consultants to, to allocate their time better, right? We always talk about time mm-hmm. management and yeah. that type of thing, but really is just a question of priority and allocation. And that's mm-hmm. a difficult uh, equation sometimes to solve. So it's what are hard, some, yeah. yeah, what are some thoughts that you have related to that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, time is really fascinating to me because it's not something we're ever taught how to use really. Right. right? Um, we're all taught trigonometry, but we're not taught time management in a systematic or intentional way. Right. We absorb it. Um, and what's hard is that for most of us, we were told how to use our time for most of our childhood and even into our corporate lives, right? Um, someone else is telling you what to do with your time. It's time to go to school. School's telling you what to do with your time, right? Um, or time to go to work. Your boss is telling you what to do. And then you become an entrepreneur and no one's telling you what to do. And those gaps become very painful, right? Yep. Um, where you start to realize them and, and you get really frustrated by it. Um, and so one of the things I talk about a lot is switching our understanding slightly away from time management to time leadership Mm. with the sense that for a lot of us, the association with time management is these blog posts, like the five hacks of the world's top CEOs. And, you know, the best entrepreneurs in the world do these five things before 6am, right? Like these kind of life hack level buy this planner, um, use this checklist, start this daily routine, whatever, and you'll be more productive, like whoever. Um, And that's, fine, but it's very reductionistic away from what we're really talking about, which is showing up in your life and knowing how to lead and leverage everything around you to build the life that means the most to you and to allocate your time to the things that matter the most, right? And these things don't happen on accident, right? They don't happen on their own. We don't naturally always allocate our time to the things that matter most. Um, we just don't, and that's really hard to, to stomach. <laughs> um, but I, that's why I want people to start thinking about, and this has been really powerful for me in, in becoming an entrepreneur, that we have a lot of agency in this, um, in terms of how we use our time Yeah, and we don't have to just react to what the world is demanding or what anyone else is demanding. We have a lot of agency in how we show up every day. And we can build a way of showing up in the world that works for us. 
yep. right? The way I do it might not work for someone else with a different personality um, because it's very aligned to how my brain works and how I use my time and how my energy flows and all of those other things. But to know that this is possible and then it makes a difference in every other area of your business and life, it kind of becomes the first priority, right? Um, away from, well, maybe I need a different software tool. Maybe that will help. Or, you know, yeah. um, if I could just like, if clients would just start, stop emailing me all the time, I could, you know, whatever it is um, to say, actually, you know what? I have agency here. I can be a leader when it comes to this. Um, let me get some solid ground under my feet so I can start thinking about what that means. Yeah. Um, but away from that helplessness that I think a lot of us have learned about our time. It, it, it absolutely can feel that way. It can absolutely yeah. feel like you're completely helpless. And, and yeah. it's almost uh, the thing that I felt in the past is that I created, uh, I created the rut that I'm in and it's, I keep digging and it's so deep mm-hmm. that it's hard for me to get out. Right. And so, mm-hmm. because I, you know, it, it's self-perpetuation, right? Yeah. Like the hand, yeah. truly like the hamster on the wheel, the faster, the faster that I go, the faster mm-hmm. the wheel goes, the faster I have to go. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm breaking out of that now, but, um, I certainly have felt that way in, in past endeavors and it, and it mm-hmm. absolutely feels like you are, are helpless and that there's not yeah. a way out. And yeah. I think, I think your point that you made or that you're making here, and I wrote it down cause I think it's a, it's I think it's profound. And that is to allocate your time to what matters most. And that seems like such an obvious thing to say, well, yeah, of course, Mm -hmm. but how often do we really ask ourselves that question and then honestly answer it? And then once we've honestly answered it, take corrective action. Mm -hmm. That's the other reality. We feel helpless, but it's not true. We can make these, we can change, right? We can change anytime we want. We have that agency. And so that's a, that's a, really strong reminder of, uh, of designing a business on purpose uh, mm-hmm. and a business that supports what you want it to support. And it, you're hundred percent mm-hmm. right. It, it absolutely be, it must begin with the end in mind. And the end is where right. do you want your time to be allocated? Right. Where do right. you want to spend your life? Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to spend your life doing your work and working with clients, by all means, fantastic. That, that mm-hmm. It's not a question of judgment. It's a right. question of you answering the question for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's very strong. So it makes perfect sense that, that time and the systems around time would be foundational to mm-hmm. building a business up from there. Mm-hmm. Um, what's mm-hmm. the next level on top of that? If someone is, you know, they have clarity on, they think they have clarity on where they want to allocate their time and mm-hmm. where they want to go. And, and maybe they're starting to take certain action um, mm-hmm. to, to support that. But now they've got to add on the next level of, of systems into their, mm-hmm. into their life and business. What do those types of things look like on the next level? Yeah, yeah. And that might depend a little bit on sure. the person's circumstance and kind of what they found. So um, three options that come to mind are, one, having really strong systems around your kind of big picture planning strategy, metrics tracking within your business, right? So you've started to figure out your time, how you're going to use it. A lot of times a a great follow-up for that then is, okay, where do I want to be at the end of this year? How do I want to plan, you know, all of those things in relation to the big initiatives in the business, how I'm using the team I have, et cetera, right? Um, For someone else, it might look more like, 
all right, now I figured this out. I've got some clarity around how I spend my time. I have a lot of things that do need to be done that should not be done by me. So the next step might be, okay, it's time to hire someone, get these things off your plate and then move from there to something else, right? Um, other people that might not be as urgent of a need. Um, and then a third one could be, um, you know what, like what I really need is to make my customer experience more efficient, right? Um, cause that's usually the one kind of operational system inside a business that breaks first, that yep. has the biggest impact. That's, you know, the most impactful in terms of your capacity to bring on more clients, right? Because if you can make all of your client work take 50% of the time, all of a sudden you have space for double the clients in the same time, right? Um, So sometimes that's the first like operational process that we look at um, is, wow, okay, we have a lot of scope creep here. We have a lot of Mm -hmm. lack of client boundaries here or whatever. Let's look at that first to start building in these things that will give you the ability to act on the way you want to show up with your time, right? Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Um, So maybe we can briefly, with the few minutes we have left, maybe we can briefly touch on uh, each of those. Um, Mm, And so if that's, if that works for you, so from a, we'll just take them in order because I think ending with that client experience piece could be really beneficial. Um, All of them will be, but systems around metrics and knowing your numbers and measurement. Um, Mm. I think this is the one where when, when someone says, I need to, um, you know, I'm a solopreneur or I have a small business and I need to, you know, proceduralize my business. I need to process it, uh, mm-hmm. add processes to it. I think this is the one that they most often think about in mm. terms of, am I, am I succeeding or not in terms of right. creating process? Mm, uh, yeah. Is there something for me to measure so that I know I'm doing better or worse? Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's how, uh, people often, uh, we'll assign that. And usually it's this metrics-based approach, often based mm-hmm. on revenues and, and monetary type of aspects or, or right. growth types of aspects. How do you right. see it uh, from, from this, this level of system, from metrics and knowing your numbers and measurement, and those types of things? Yeah. Yeah. Metrics is a really tough one. And I'm constantly kind of tweaking how we show up on ours because you're always trying to easily find the information you need while also not spending all of your time just measuring things, right? Yes, exactly. And that's um, the other piece is some people feel like right, they get, I'm spending so much time measuring the stuff or looking at my numbers. I'm not doing my work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, at a very, very base level, um, especially for a lot of entrepreneurs who might be going through this process, one that's really great to start with is how much time are you actually working and on what, okay. right? Having that kind of information can be incredibly helpful for starting to put that cap on your time if that's a big priority. Other people, I might be like, you know what? I know I'm working 80 hours a week. I want to work 80 hours a week. That's fine with me. Um, Then great. Maybe you don't worry about that for now. For other people, if they're saying I'm working this much and my biggest win would be cutting this in half in the next six months, that's your one big metric. You're just focused on that. Because if you put in too many, right? If yeah. you're also like, well, I've got to also increase my profits while I'm cutting my time in half. It's like, well, now Conflicting, <laughs> you might have things. Right? Yeah, yeah. You might, you could have that happen, but we should probably just focus on the one that matters the most right now, yeah. right? Um, so that might be a big one. For other people, if they have no idea if they're profitable or not, maybe priority number one is, all right, let's figure out just your basic profit and loss. We don't have to go into the in-depth categorization. We don't have to do any of that, but just how much money is coming in, how much money is left over at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, like every business should know that that's a good starting spot, right? Um, 
budgeting and forecasting and all of that can come later, yeah, but yeah. you need to know at least, you know, am I making money? Am I in the red? What's going on? Right. So the goal is really to, to keep it as simple as physically possible to get you where you want to go. Um, and especially with marketing, I'd actually be curious your thoughts on this. I'm always tweaking how many marketing metrics to track. Yeah. Um, right now, I think we have six or seven, and that's been reasonable to keep up with. Mm-hmm. But there have been times we've had more and times we've had less. Um, but yeah, I think for us, it was like, okay, we wanted to see these four steps of the funnel, and we wanted yeah. to see these two audience growth pieces, and that's it. Yeah. Um, just to kind of track how we're doing our marketing right now. Um, but yeah, metrics are hard. I'm curious your thoughts on the marketing side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I think, you know, in my world, when I'm working with advisors and consultants, this is one of the key, one of the four key things that we talk about first is, mm-hmm. is metrics. Um, and without it, it's really hard to, without it, it's super easy to fall into SOS or shiny object syndrome from a marketing standpoint. Because mm-hmm. if you don't yeah. know what's working or not, then you're going to keep throwing the spaghetti against the wall because you don't know better. Right. Um, and right. of course, marketing, just like all aspects of business in my experience, it's a, it's a continuous experiment, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, yeah. we set a hypothesis for what we think is going to happen and that's in alignment with what we want. Then we perform the experiment to test and see if we're right. We're either mm-hmm. right, we're wrong, or we're kind of right or kind of wrong. Right. <laughs> right, and, right. And so then it's more, let's do more of what works and less of what doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, so your notes about audience growth, I think are important. And there's different mm-hmm. ways to, to measure that, right? If you look at um, penetration of a given market or list size, mm-hmm. right? Those are all representations of, of, of market uh, you know, mm-hmm. growth or percentage growth. Um, but then on the funnel side that you were talking about, the four steps of the process, I think that's really the key. Um, mm-hmm. Because if those things are optimized and performing at a high level or high enough level, then from a revenue standpoint or profit standpoint, you know whether you're mm-hmm. okay or not. And then um, by looking at each one of the steps along the way, you can find the 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 one that's underperforming. Right. Right. Where is um, stuff dropping off? Right. Yeah. Right. Where are we getting a disproportionate amount of drop off or people exiting mm-hmm. or, or not engaging in the next step? Uh, mm-hmm. And then we want to shore that up. And then now that it's a superstar, which one do we attack next? And mm-hmm. and a part of that can also be based on 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 your revenue and profitability and where, you know, sometimes it's OK if a step is underperforming. Mm-hmm. Um, so to speak, because what it means is that the disqualified people are getting kicked out right. left and right. And you're not wasting time there. So right. you, you do have to keep in, in, you do have to look at the end game to really mm-hmm. properly assess the middle game, um, right. so right. to speak. Um, a yeah. couple of other marketing metrics that I always recommend, which are obvious ones, but they're really important is lifetime client value, mm-hmm. annual yeah. lifetime value. Those are givens, mm-hmm. uh, just general business growth metrics, not mm-hmm. just marketing metrics. And another one that is a marketing metric that a lot of people will overlook, but I think it's incredibly important, especially for most of the clients that I work with, that is dependent, where those firms are dependent upon, ultimately a conversation or a series of conversations to close the sale, right? Mm-hmm. It's not someone mm-hmm. going to a website, clicking a button and typing right. in their credit card information. There's some kind of right. relationship or conversation has to be established. So right. that the, the metric is value of appointment. And so if you can know the value of your appointment, the higher that number is, the more economic power you have in your marketing. So the right. calculating, it's really simple. It's your closing rate 
times, I do it by annual client value. Um, mm. You can do it by lifetime. But if your client's worth $10,000 a year and your closing rate is 30%, then the value of an appointment is three grand. And mm. that's a legitimate number. Right. If, if your math is right, that's a legitimate number. That appointment, that conversation is worth $3,000. Once you understand mm -hmm. that, now it liberates your mind in terms of where you can spend your marketing time or effort. Right. So it right. doesn't mean you need to spend three grand to get an appointment. Right. But it means that you could spend $1,000 to get an appointment and still yield a 300% ROI. Right. And that's liberating. Right. So right. Um, anyway, uh, but on the flip side, if that number is... $30. <laughs> right. Then that's like, okay. uh, there, there's, there's a, there's a bigger problem, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're spending time for $30, if you're spending it, time on an appointment for 30 bucks or even probably mm -hmm. 300 bucks for most people, that's, that's not gonna, you ain't going to get there. So right. that's a, that's an mm -hmm. important metric that a lot of people overlook, but anyway, it's a good, yeah. a good conversation to have. And, and so mm -hmm. I, so I totally get where you're coming from is that just like the question, where do we want to allocate our time? The metrics, mm -hmm. the, the, the next level metrics question is similar. What is it you're really trying to achieve? Where's your key point of frustration mm -hmm. or challenge or opportunity? And that's the metric that we focus on first. So right. that makes perfect sense. Um, mm -hmm. Talking in terms of, of now delegation and hiring mm -hmm. and getting things off the plate, because yeah. this one's a big, this one's a biggie. Um, yeah. Where, where does someone go there? What do they need to, you know, you mentioned uh, a time audit earlier. I don't know mm -hmm. if you use those words, but knowing where your mm -hmm. time goes. And I would yes. assume that's a key piece to this hiring, um, this hiring yes. step as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really recommend because that will bring a lot of things up. I recommend that people do an effective hourly rate calculation one time too, um, not on how much they're actually getting paid, but how much their market value is. So if you were to go okay. get a full-time corporate job today, how much do you think you would be oh. able to get? And then what does that mean in terms of your hourly rate? If you are doing things that you would not pay someone else that amount to do, then you're overpaying yourself for that work. And it yeah. would be actually cheaper to pay someone else. Um, Cause we think of our time as free, but our time is not free. There's right. a real opportunity cost to it. Right. Yeah. And so if you calculate your EHR and it's $50 an hour, you should not be doing stuff that you would not pay someone else $50 an hour to do, like loading yep. things into your email marketing tool or posting to social media or creating graphics or things like that. Whatever right? maybe, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can start then from that, just have a piece of paper next to your computer making a list. What do I hate doing? What is clearly you know below my pay grade in terms of my market value? What is taking a ton of my time? Um, and just start getting a list down. Um, of what someone else might be able to do for you. And from there, you might find, you know what, all of it's social media related. I'm going to find someone to help me with that. Or, you know, all of this is finance related. Maybe I just need a bookkeeper, whatever it might be. And there may be um, multiple pieces of that pie, but you're looking for the, the biggest one to start with, right? I assume. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Ideally. Um, so most people that we work with, they're bringing on kind of a, a generalist virtual assistant or project manager person. Because um, a lot of times, especially if they really want to grow and they're running out of client capacity, if they can get someone to help them increase their client capacity by doing some of the administrative work around that, doing some of the back and forth with the client, whatever it looks like, um, they can literally have a direct revenue impact by having more space to take yep. on more clients because they're turning people away, right? Um, so a lot of times that's the first one. And then, yeah, you can maybe have a really part-time relationship on Upwork with someone who can do your graphics for you. Or, you know, I have someone I pay 
a couple hundred bucks a month just to do my social media posting. Yep. That's all she has to worry about. It's easy for her. She, you know, she gets paid a decent chunk of money to spend five minutes a few times a week. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of the, where you can go from there is to start looking at it and say, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm spending a couple hours a week on this one thing. What if someone else did that? This would be pretty easy to pass off. Right. Um, and then it gets a lot easier to know who you're looking for and what to get them to do um, and how to set up kind of a rhythm of working because it's a lot easier to work with someone if they have a base of things that are consistent, yeah, you know, that they're working on. And then you can add ad hook projects on top of it. But if every day you're trying to figure out what to get Something them to new. do, yeah. yeah, it gets old. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And what I love about what you're suggesting is don't try to eat the elephant all in one bite, right? Right. I mean, just, just start somewhere. Start where mm-hmm. it's going to have the biggest impact and then build from there. The, yeah. the last one you mentioned was client experience. So in terms yeah. of setting up systems or thinking about that, uh, what guidance would you have there to, as a beginning point? Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of times people don't realize they actually already have one, a system for this, right? So it's good to just start by writing down, okay, when someone says yes, what do I do? And then what do I do? Then what do I do? Yep. Okay, Right. And you might realize, oh, I actually have a lot of steps here. I've been holding in my head. I do this. I just have to remember every time what they are. Um, When you see it, a lot of times things become obvious too. And one of the first steps I always recommend for people is looking for areas where there's pain farther down the process that could be resolved by better communication up front. So if you have a ton of scope creep later on, how can you set a really clear agreed upon structure with your client at the beginning of exactly what the scope is so that it doesn't start bleeding later because <laughs> you yeah. can always come back to, this is the list you paid for. Um, so things like that is usually a good first step. Um, a lot of times beefing up the onboarding process can make a huge difference in how you're relating with the client. When can they communicate with you? How quickly do they mm-hmm. need to turn things around? How quickly can they expect to hear from you? Um, you know, Anything where you're feeling pain in your relationship with your client, a lot of times, you can talk about that with them at the beginning and just head it off at the pass. Yep. Yep. Managing expectations. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been fantastic. It's amazing. We're already up on time a little bit. Um, <laughs> two, two last questions. The questions I yeah. always ask at the end. Uh, the second one will be how people can get in touch with you and learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And if you have, uh, I definitely, you know, would encourage everybody to get a copy of your book, Eureka Results. You mentioned a couple of worksheets, so we can certainly, you know, make sure we're, we're guiding people to those. So I want you to talk about that in a second. But the first question is uh, lessons learned from doing this work and working with advisors and consultants and, and applying this in your own life. What are mm-hmm. a couple or three lessons uh, or one lesson learned that you would want to make sure everyone takes away today? Yeah, um, there are a lot. And uh, honestly, some of the harshest truths I've learned about my time have ultimately been the most encouraging. Um, One of them I've learned is that we as humans, we just fall short, right? We just, we do, Um, but it doesn't mean our systems don't work. So, Mm. you know, when I'm late, I'm usually five minutes late. I'm not usually an hour and a half late, right? So that that deadline, I'm pushing it, but I'm close. And we do that in a lot of areas of our life. So I think sometimes when we fall short, we think that our system has failed. We have failed, Mm. but it's okay to acknowledge human nature and say, you know what? I'm going to push it just a little bit. Doesn't mean it's not working. It doesn't mean it's not worth it. It doesn't mean I'm a failure. Just means I'm a human. So that's huge. Yeah. That's been really helpful for me. That's good. Give yourself some grace, right? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, 
Good. So if people want to enter into your world, uh, I know Eureka Results mm-hmm. is on Amazon. Uh, so people can look mm-hmm. it up there. Um, it probably is also on your website, which is asquaredonline.com. And we'll right. make sure all this is in the in the show notes too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but tell us um, how else can people enter into your world or what else can they do? Yeah, yeah. Um, the book itself has a website, uh, eurekaresultsbook.com. Okay. Um, and there, there's a worksheet you can download. Um, it's about 25 pages, I think. Um, with all the exercises and the really practical stuff that's in the book. Oh. So if you are too busy to read the book about getting less busy, you can download <laughs> the worksheets and, and pull what you need from that. Um, or even just be able to kind of scan through the book and catch the pieces that you need to catch. Um, because that's who I'm talking to is people who are really busy, right? So I wanted to make that really easy. There's also an audiobook. Um, as a mom, I have a lot of brainless time, so I can listen to a lot of audiobook stuff. Um, so if you drive a lot or whatever, that's a way yeah. to absorb it as well. Yeah, that's excellent. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, like I said, we'll make sure all this is as um, uh, with the episode when it gets posted. Uh, Ashley, thank you so much for your time and your expertise and, and being so generous with your expertise and time today. Um, this was a fantastic way, at least for me to allocate my time. Um, and I think that's true for everybody who listened and watched. So thank you again for being back on and we'll do it again sometime in the future. Thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Excellent. For Consulting with Authority, everybody, this is Scott Cantrell, as always, wishing you the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, Visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website, and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.